Happy Friday, foodies, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. Of course, this is the podcast where we dive into all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today on the pod, we have a well-known Food Network favorite to talk all about her new cookbook and, of course, her wanderlust-inducing show on Discovery+. Plus. Of course, I'm talking about Jada De Laurentiis, and I first met her on the set of Food Network Star. I got to be a guest judge along with Jamel Hill many, many years ago at this point. Um, she was also a guest judge on um, Iron Chef Showdown when I was the floor reporter. So I'm excited to talk to her today, especially about just her health journey, because I don't think a lot of people realize how how much she has struggled with um, her health and eating over the last decade. Um, she has a brand new cookbook out. It has Beautiful photos, beautiful recipes. I, I definitely have my eye on um, this mushroom toast recipe in there with some sautéed mushrooms and Tuscan kale and, of course, uh, a runny egg on top. I'm always a sucker for that and, and really a sucker for any any kind of toast. So uh, if you haven't um, checked out her cookbook, I highly recommend you doing so. But, of course, you know her from hosting your favorite Food Network shows like Everyday Italian, Jada at Home, Jada Entertains, and most recently, Bobby and Jada in Italy for Discovery Plus. And that's just to name a few guys. She is also the author of 10 New York Times bestselling cookbooks, including her most recent one that I was just alluding to, Eat Better, Feel Better, My Recipes for Wellness and Healing Inside and Out. We have so much to talk about, so let's get right to it. Uh, Here's Giada. Jada, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Now that we figured out all the technical stuff, uh, we're good. Yeah. Well, you are joining us um, from a soundproof closet, which is, I I think, a first uh, on Food Network Obsessed. But you sound great. So uh, maybe that's going to be the the new wave of uh, podcast recordings. I might have to try that out. Um, If I was a professional podcaster like you, maybe I would have a better setup. But I got to say, all the clothes and the shoes, they kind of work as a padding. Yeah, they absorb the sound. It's my COVID closet. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Well, you and I first met on the set of Food Network Star. I got to be a guest judge, but um, that was a long time ago. A lot has happened since then. Namely, um, you have a brand new cookbook out. I know you've been so busy with your virtual book tour. Um, I have a copy of it. It is Eat Better, Feel Better, My Recipes for Wellness and Healing Inside and Out. Already a New York Times bestseller. So congratulations on that. It is inspired by your journey to really, you know, take control of your health. I I imagine there's a lot of people listening who might be dealing um, with similar issues that you experienced. Can you share a little bit more about what you were going through and why it inspired you to write this book? Yes. Yeah, so my book is sort of, it's been in the works for quite some time. It's its my journey from my 40s to my 50s, because I just turned 50 last August. And it really started in my late 30s after I had my daughter, Jade. You know, I started on the network, oh my gosh, I don't know, maybe two decades ago now. And I would say I... Although I come from a large Italian family and I grew up on a strictly pretty much a Mediterranean diet, I think I sort of dropped that Mediterranean diet when I started working a lot. Uh, And it's difficult to eat well, sleep well, all the things that we needed to take care of ourselves when you are on the road a lot and you work a ton and you're never really home. And I think it caught up with me at the end of my 30s. Uh, I think that 
having my daughter sort of pushed me over the edge and really gave me a wake up call. And I struggled mainly at the beginning with horrible sinus infections, like chronic. I was on antibiotics every month for two years straight and I was beside myself. I knew they weren't good for me. I had no other option. Every time I got on a plane, I was sick. So in my destination, wherever that would be, I'd have to find a doctor, get a steroid shot and get myself through it because the sinus infections were so bad that I couldn't work. I couldn't be in sunlight. I couldn't be in daylight. I had to be in complete darkness because the pain in my eyes, I couldn't keep them open. And I had just so much pressure. You know, the, the sinus infections I had were so far up that at the bummer was is that the antibiotics, unless you took like 10 rounds in a row, never really killed the infection. And it was chronic and bad. And I would go to the doctors and they'd say, well, you have a small child. She's in their first years of preschool. You're going to get a lot of infections. You're going to And I kind of didn't buy it. And I think that after two years, I just had had enough. I was at my breaking point uh, emotionally, physically. When I ate, I didn't feel good. Not only bloating, but just like stomach pains. I, I think that the antibiotics probably broke down my microbiome, which I talk in my book, which is that good bacteria that eats, you know, all of that flora and all. It's just the perfect ecosystem in my gut was not there anymore because it had been killed off. Um, and I just felt like it was a horrible, vicious cycle. So I started to go to multiple functional medicine doctors and acupuncture and doing all of these more Eastern medicine influence things that I started to realize where my issues were. And my issues were with my immune system, my hormones, and truly it was my gut. And my gut was so so off. It I had no microbiome less, no no ecosystem left. And so I realized, okay, I got to start rebuilding that and little by little that'll feed everything else. It'll rebuild my immune system and we'll get there. And I think it was just a way a philosophy of looking at your whole body as a whole rather than just the sinus infection. It took me a long time, Jamie. We're talking like years and years to to get myself back in action. But I did it little by little. And that's why like three or four years ago, I was like, I would really love to write a book about this. The only issue was that it's a departure. It's not so sexy. You know, I try to make my books fun and sexy and romantic and all those things that get people excited about cooking, especially because that's really what the Italian, you know, whole lifestyle is about. My publisher was like, oh, and together we sort of went on the journey and they supported me and we did it. Um, but it was a long journey and I was very nervous to let this book to kind of publish this book, even though I felt like COVID had kind of changed our mentality a little bit about our wellness and gotten us really to wake up and realize that we really need to take care of ourselves. Anything, anytime you do something that's a little different than when people think of, you got to be careful for the backlash. So I was so excited to hit the New York Times and I'm still on it a month later. So it's just, it just shows me that a lot of things are timing and maybe just doing what you really feel like you need to get out there is helpful. And maybe somebody will find some helpful tips in there. Absolutely. I think, I mean, health is sexy. We got to normalize that, right? We re Especially for us women, we really need to make it sexy. I'm trying to do my best. It's just, I think some of the beginning parts of the book, I think some people were like, oh, wow, she's going to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but I felt like if I didn't, it wouldn't resonate. You, you, you got to like tell the truth about things. So yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's real. And I think that that's what people really gravitate towards, especially right now. And, and you kind of mentioned the beginning of the book, because I think that that is really interesting to me, because you know, the the very I would say like the first third of the book is really you kind of going into these struggles, these these building blocks for the recipes themselves, and you don't really get to the recipes until a little bit later. Uh, why was that so important to you, the way you structured uh, this book? 
Well, I felt like I could do one of two things. I could just put out a healthy cookbook uh, and just give you a ton of healthy recipes. Not really explain much other than the head notes and see what happens. But I felt like there was no basis for me to write a healthy cookbook because without the story behind it, because truly most of my books have a lot of healthy recipes in them. They also have a lot of decadent recipes because that's Italian food. It's a balance between the two. But I think that if you ask a lot of people, they'd be like, oh, no, Jada is more of a healthy Mediterranean diet Italian chef and cook with her recipes. They don't think of me as like, all I do is decadence. So I wanted to really differentiate the books and really tell you that I'm going to tell you the journey. And in order to do that, I need to spend 100 pages doing that. I just said to my publisher, I need, you know, a third of the book to just be straight talk. No recipes involved. We can do sidebars and pictures and stuff like that, but the recipes have to come later. And I really wanted the book to be separated like that. So the people, when they got it, they could be like, ah, this is the reading part. These, This is all recipes. Because the other option also was to mix everything in. Like the reboot, for instance, has a specific mm-hmm. recipes section. Um, and I felt like it was just easier to say, this is the part. That tells you the journey. These are all the recipes. If you want to skip the journey, go to the recipes. If you want to skip the recipes, go to the journey or read the whole thing together, which is really what should happen. So that was really important to me. I felt like I I couldn't put this cookbook out without really and truly digging deep into my journey and being as honest as possible. Uh, you mentioned that that three day reboot, which you talk a lot about in the book. So for anyone that hasn't picked up a copy yet, which we, we highly recommend you do. But this is a, a period of elimination that you essentially give your body a chance to kind of rest and reset. Can you talk a little bit more just about you know how you discovered that and, and why it benefited you so much? Yeah, so I discovered that through my acupuncturist and then some Ayurvedic sort of food recipes. It's called Panchakarma, but it's it's a whole week series. It's it's an Indian tradition, Ayurvedic Indian tradition where you eliminate things and you actually don't eat a lot of things. It's very simplistic. Figure out what ails you, what your body doesn't like um, and what causes inflammation through food, you know, food items is by eliminating them little by little. So it was important that I, I started to learn that. Now, usually what you do is you take one ingredient at a time, wait a period of time, and then you can reintroduce it. I just eliminated all of it, all dairy, all gluten, all sugar, obviously alcohol, and caffeine. And I was very addicted to sugar. Very. And I'll explain in a minute, like, how addicted. So I eliminated those things because my acupuncturist told me that she thought it would be helpful. And I had had a little break and I thought, okay, I can do this. If I'm not traveling, I could probably do it. I tell you, it was very difficult. And I only lasted three days in the beginning. And then I started to do it a little bit longer and I did it in increments. And it was hard to figure out what really upset me because, or except my gut, because I limited everything. So I didn't really know. So slowly I had to reintroduce and figure it out. The sugar and the caffeine were so hard because I lived on sugar for years. And anybody who knows me well knows I eat a lot of chocolate chips and I loved sugar cubes. Now, white sugar cubes dipped in an espresso. So it's sugar with a side of espresso. And I would pop those anywhere I was. Right. So the chew of it. And I think and also little jams like in hotel rooms, you know, you get you can get toast and jam and they give you the little the little containers of jam. Well, I would eat all the little containers of jam. Forget the toast. I didn't care about the toast. And I'm saying that's the addiction that I had. And that really gave me a ton of energy. I could have I could work for a few hours and then I would crash really hard crash. And then I'd have to pick myself up. Now, when you're young, 
you can pretty, you can live like that a little bit, you know. But as you get older, that stuff just kind of catches up with you and then it stops working. And caffeine was the same. It just gave me these like horrible, vicious ups and downs. And that broke my immune system. That started to wear down my gut because my organs were working so hard. In the process of elimination, I came up with a three-day reboot. If you're just looking to feel lighter, less puffy, sleep better, get rid of some of that fog. And I wanted to make sure that, first of all, it was doable. And I think three days, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is doable for a lot of people. And also that it was food. Because you've you've seen a lot of reboots that are all liquid or uh, just greens. Or I just wanted people to be able to eat. Because if you can't do that, then... I can't live on shakes alone and I can't live on liquid alone. I can't think. I get really, I just get sick. I just, it doesn't work for me. I get headaches. So I wanted food. So that's what I decided to do. So you could do a shake. Like I have a green shake. I have one with like almond butter and um, strawberries. Like I have different ones in there. And then, you know, quinoa is fine. There's um, poached salmon in there. There's a lot of things that have body that you can eat. And I wanted those kind of recipes. And I even break it down for you. So I give you the whole recipe and the days to do it, the way to plan out the menu. Um, So I tried to make it as simple and easy as possible so that you didn't have to do a lot of work except make the recipes, which are really very simple. I mean, I always tell people there's no culinary creativity here. It's like as basic as we can possibly get. Um, I'm curious where you're at with the the sugar addiction now that you've been through this this journey. Like, are you still eating? I, I would imagine you're not still eating sugar cubes. So I always tell people it's a journey. And I will say COVID was really hard because I was on a really good trajectory and then COVID hit. And I, like everybody else, was making banana bread and cookies and everything under the sun. And I think there was more alcohol consumed by everybody than there probably was five years prior. I think the stress got all of us. And plus we were cooped up in our houses and I don't know what to do to relieve stress other than like cook. That was really my anchor. And so I definitely have sweets. I mean, I have a 13 year old daughter. So yes, we have sweets. No, I don't eat sugar cubes anymore. And I don't eat jam straight from the container anymore. I don't do those things anymore. And I do watch definitely alcohol and even caffeine, to be honest. I mean, I always have it, but I'll switch from like coffee to green tea to coffee to green tea. Like I'll go back and forth with the type of caffeine. So yes, I still have sugar and I substitute, you know, I do, sometimes I do honey in my coffee. Sometimes I do coconut sugar. I try not to do white processed sugar if I can avoid it. But you know, there are days like a few days ago, my my daughter wanted these um, blueberry banana muffins and she wants them regular. She's always like, mom, regular, not gluten free, <laughs> not sugar free, regular. So I used white flour and white sugar. And you're still here. And I'm still here. So, yes, I think we can eat those things. We just need to also think about times in our lives where we don't eat those things so that we can give our organs a break and a chance to reset so they're not always working so hard to process. Because over time, it's like a car. If you never tune it up or a computer, you never turn it down, shut it off, what's going to happen? It's going to be like, nope, and shut itself down. So that's basically what happens to us. We're all machines. That's what I try to do in the book. On top of, for anybody who really wants to like go for it, then you can do the three-day reboot. But there's compromises like, for instance, if dairy is an issue, substitute uh, Parmesan cheese with Pecorino. I'm not a big like cheese substitute person because I feel like there's a lot of uh, processed stuff in that too. So for me, Pecorino, it's a sheep's milk cheese, much easier to digest than a cow's milk cheese. 
but it still get that same saltiness, right? And use less of these things. So a lot of my recipes have Parmesan cheese. They, they don't, I don't use cream or anything like that, but they do have things like Parmesan cheese. And I always say substitute with Pecorino if that's easier for you, or just use much smaller amounts, you know, where I was using two, two and a half cups of cheese in a pasta. I'm now using quarter to half a cup. And that's divided mm-hmm. between four people. So imagine how much you're actually having. And for some people, that's good enough. Yeah, I think it's, it makes you feel like you're still, uh, you're not depriving yourself of the cheese, but it's just a lot less and, and a little bit uh, better for your gut, like you said. Um, it sounds like, you know, routine is also um, something that that's become very important and you, and you kind of finding this new balance. What is a typical day for you like at home? And then how does that differ when, when you're traveling as it, as it relates to your, your eating and just like overall, you know, wellness? So when I'm home, obviously I can control what I eat so much more. And I like to do batch cooking when I'm home, which I talk about in the book as well, where I make like a batch of brown rice or a batch of lentils or a batch of quinoa, which will be the carbs or sweet potato, bake some sweet potatoes and then greens. So I have greens that I can saute or you can just steam a bunch of greens or just a box of arugula or spinach or anything you can make a salad with. And then I cook some protein, whether I grill um, some chicken, I have like a lemon oregano pounded chicken that I grill, or I do my poached salmon under olive oil. I put it in olive oil. So it's very rich. And if you put some of that olive oil that you cooked it in, it keeps for much longer. And I can crumble that on top of salads if I want. I'll cook some beans and keep that to make a soup really easily. So batch cooking is really important when I'm home so that I can grab and go and mix up meals easily. And that's something I started doing when I had my daughter so that I could have meals ready to go. And then um, depending on whether I'm doing an intermittent fasting, I won't, if I do, I won't have breakfast. And I, I have like a, like some, either some warm water with lemon because I like warm in the morning. I know not everybody's the same, but the warmth really, it's really soothing to the inside of the body, which why a lot of us like coffee. That warmth is like, it's comfort, right? So I just do warm water with lemon if I'm intermittent fasting or if I'm doing the three-day reboot. Otherwise, I'll have green tea or coffee, which is my favorite. I usually then won't eat breakfast if I'm intermittent fasting. But if I'm not, then I'll have my chia seed pudding, which I can make in advance. Or I really also just like cooked brown rice with salt, olive oil, maybe a couple of um, almond slivers and some orange segments. That's It's like my version of oatmeal because oatmeal and oats don't do so well for me. So it's my version of a hot oatmeal, like a porridge type of thing. And then for if I need a snack, fruit or an apple, something like that. And then I'd say that otherwise for breakfast, I could always, always have like a piece of toast also with almond butter. I really like that. And then lunch, depending on how hungry I am, it's a salad or a soup. I like that. And then for dinner's the bigger one. So dinner, it's like, I love my Amalfi lemon chicken. I need a carb at night. I definitely need a carb at night. So either it's a, a sweet potato mash or roasted vegetables with sweet potatoes or even regular potatoes. Sometimes it's pasta. You know, if I make it for my daughter, sometimes it's gluten-free, but she'll fight me on it. And um, with lots of veggies in it, I just make sure I put protein and veggies, lots of them. Um, and I eat more of the veggies and the protein than I eat of the pasta. So portions is super important as well. But that's like a regular day. And if I'm running around, then I make myself a little, um, I have this quinoa nut granola thing that I make that has maple syrup in it, like high grade maple syrup. And I snack on that if I'm on the go. When I'm traveling, I'll bets are off. Forget it. It'll be almond croissants. It'll be multiple coffees a day. It'll be honestly, Jamie, whatever I want with the knowledge that when I come back, we'll wrap that thing up, go back to reboot. 
Hey guys, Jamie here. We're going to take a quick break, but next up we are chatting all things Bobby and Jada in Italy, so stick around. I mean, I think that that's that's the key, right? You found you found the the balance that works uh, best for you, and yeah, I think when you're traveling, you know, like there's there's no reason to to restrict yourself, especially when you are back home in Italy. And speaking of which, uh, as we kind of transition to uh, Food Network programming, because I could talk to you about uh, food and, and nutrition all day. You know, Bobby and Jada in Italy on Discovery Plus. I, I watched it uh, when it first premiered. It was a much needed, you know, little vacation to Italy at the time, especially um, with the cold weather here in New York and and also everything shut down and travel not really a, a possibility at that time. I just think it was shot so beautifully. It was a beautiful story. It was also just fun to see you in your element. And then you've got Bobby, who is a wannabe Roman. Um, you guys are exploring together. Do you have a, as you kind of think back on that, a favorite moment from filming um, either on or off the camera? You know, there's so many. We laugh so much. I think some of my favorite moments are Bobby speaking Italian. You know, I used to tease him a lot about it. And I think that that made him insecure about speaking Italian. And then he spent six weeks in Rome before we shot. That's how the whole thing came about. And he took Italian classes the whole time. And his Italian really came. I was really shocked at how well he was able to pronounce words. That's a, it's very difficult when you get older to learn a new language. That part of your brain, like it goes to sleep. It goes to sleep if you don't um, use it at an early age. So I was surprised at how well he did. And I think that some of my favorite moments are just him speaking in Italian. And I just remember gazing at him and being in, just in shock. And I'd say to him, you're really doing so well. Bobby is awesome, but he's a tough nut to crack. And you'd never really know what he's thinking. I feel like even I know him well, and we spent a lot of time working together, but there's still a lot of moments where I'm like, what is going on in his head? I feel like we need to say, what is Bobby thinking? That should be a show so that he can explain <laughs> all the thoughts that go through his mind. And he's fascinating that way. So I just, I thought, oh, wow. And just how that resonated in it. Um, I think those are my favorite moments. Plus all the meals we had. I mean, lunchtime was like two hour lunches when we weren't shooting and we would have multiple pasta courses and, and wine was flowing. Talk about a reboot after that. You know, we just, we honestly lived it up. And so I just thought, thank goodness we did that because a year goes by and we got nothing and we may not have anything for another year. I don't know. I think also that viewers got to see and I got to see a side of Bobby that, you know, we wouldn't have otherwise seen. I mean, Bobby and I shared a house in Tuscany. I mean, that should have been a show on its own, to be honest. Yes, I think people would love to see that. And the cooking. You know, I know everybody thinks that Bobby and I, because we're such good friends, that we've cooked a lot together. We haven't. We really haven't. Either he cooks or I cook, but we never really like spent time cooking together. And I think that that was another fun moment. I'm not going to tell you, Jamie, that it was all glamour and all happiness. I definitely had my moments where I wanted to strangle him and he knew it. So there were definitely a few moments where it was a lot of tension. You could ask the crew about that one. But for the most part, I thought we did fantastic and we worked through whatever the tension was. And I think because we both love cooking and food, but we are both so headstrong in the way we like to do things. I like a clean kitchen. The man makes a friggin' mess and he doesn't clean up after himself. And his answer to me was, if you don't like it, clean it. I'm like, why? It's not my mess. You clean it. You know, this would go on and on. I'm so, I'm that person. I just can't focus and do what I have to do if it's a mess. And he just goes everywhere and just makes a mess in the hopes that somebody else cleans it. I'm like, hello, 
I'm not your, I'm not cleaning up after you do it yourself. So I think there's a lot of those moments too. I mean, I, I, I'm just like picturing the, the show. It's like a real world, um, you know, food network style, but also in Italy, which I think would be very interesting. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe season two, uh, that's, that's what you guys focus on. Um, but I, I also loved, uh, one of my favorite parts also was that your, your mom made an uh, appearance and she obviously lives in Rome. How special was it having her involved in this project that was clearly so meaningful to you as well? Well, it's funny because Bobby has always said that, you you know, since he met my mother, he's like, she's my favorite person in the world. And I'm thinking, really? There's so many people. What are you talking about? But you know what was fun is that the two of them really have a great time together. I mean, I could just as well not be there. The two of them just, I don't know, they just hit it off. It's like they've known each other in another life or something. It was it was a strange sort of phenomenon I hadn't seen before. But that was really fun because they got along so well. And I haven't done a ton with my mother on camera. I did some shows, but she's lived in Italy for seven years. And in that time, she wasn't really here very much to do to do stuff on camera like I did with, I, you know, have done with my Aunt Raffi. Um, so it was really fun to be able to connect those dots and to bring her in. And she really helped us just get the real Roman feeling. Like, what is it really like to live there since she was living there? Now, since COVID, she's come home. I think she got too freaked out during the first lockdown. But I think that that authenticity was really I think it really was special. I mean, I was born in Rome, but I moved when I was seven years old. So to bring back that sort of feeling of a local was really, really fun. And I think that that was a special touch. And it made the show, I don't know, I think it gave the show a certain feeling that is hard to capture otherwise. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you, and and you you really explored the, you know the city center of Rome, but you also, as you mentioned, went uh, to Tuscany. Do you prefer one over the other? You know, they're totally different, but I love Rome. <laughs> I love I love a city vibe. I love the people. I love the food. I really love the food. I like the food Rome and South. That's my favorite type of food. I think the hills of Tuscany are fantastic and it is so picturesque. But if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably pick Rome. You know, the food in Tuscany, although fantastic, is quite heavy. It's heavy in cheese, heavy in meats. It's just a different lifestyle. You know, it's much colder. The borders are France and Germany and Austria and Switzerland. It has a different sort of feel to it, although fantastic. But Bobby and I were really, we really adamant about showing the two different sides. Now, we miss the ocean, which is probably my favorite, which I hope someday we can do because it's truly phenomenal. And I know Bobby loves it as well. The Amalfi Coast is spectacular. I've spent much time in Capri growing up because that's where my family had a house. But I just think that that would be another whole thing, that in Sicily. But I'd say probably Rome. But I will say, too, is some of the other fun moments was Bobby driving <laughs> in in the car and they're tiny. But overall, he did a fantastic job. But I will say I was a little bit nervous in the beginning. It was a it was a big ordeal getting those cameras in there and then us driving, paying attention. He was driving a car that it's an old, old car. So it doesn't quite have all the functions. It's not as easy to drive as as one of our automatic cars here. So it was tricky, but it was fun. <laughs> well, it was a it was a beautiful series. I do hope that there is a part two at some point. I think people would really enjoy, um, you know, seeing a, a second look into that, especially as you mentioned um, on the coast. And you also mentioned uh, that you've been a part of this Food Network family for nearly two decades. It started with Everyday Italian back in 2003. You know, even though you do come from a family in the entertainment industry, you know, we talked about your mom. Do you did you think that that was going to be your fate as well? Or did this kind of just come about naturally? Uh, no, uh, my grandfather made over 600 movies 
in 60 years. And it started in Italy. My grandmother was an actress and Miss Rome. I'm like, no, I, um, I had no interest in it. I was also very shy. I know that seems weird now, but I was very shy. No, I wanted nothing to do it with it. I was very interested in food. Uh, my family also has a, my grandfather has a food history as well, but, um, no, not at all. I, I ran from it. So this food network thing, which happened pretty early on in building a food network at the time when I started, mm-hmm. it was Emerald, Bobby, mostly men, mostly in their chef's uniforms. So no, I think, you know, I think maybe Rachel was on as well, but I think Ina, Rachel and I all kind of came in around the same time and I was shy. So I didn't really want to do that. And I thought, oh, my family's in the movie business. Why would I do a cooking show? This doesn't make any sense. I, it wasn't something I planned. It was not something I was terribly excited about. But over time, I don't know, I think I just decided I'll just go on the journey. I was working for Wolfgang Puck and I was I had a catering business and I just thought, well, I'll try it. And if I hate it, I won't quit my day job because you know, who knows? And little by little, it just sort of took off. And I just decided, all right, I'll I'll go for this journey. And when it ends, I'll just go back to doing what I was doing, catering and working in a restaurant. You know, I always think like, oh, well. If things don't work out, I guess I'll go back to a restaurant life or the catering life. I don't know. So it it just sort of happened. And I'm super grateful because it was it's been a really fun, fun uh, adventure. Hopefully it'll keep going for a bit longer. Yeah. I mean, you're still on the journey and you've seen this uh, this evolution, you know, throughout the years of Food Network. What has it been like just to see, you know, that change and that uh, that growth, like from what you saw when you first joined to what it is now? Well, when I first joined, it was very heavily based on cooking demos, straight cooking demos, really no lifestyle um, attached to it. I started to do some lifestyle in the beginning days of Everyday Italian, and then my show really incorporated a lot of lifestyle. Ina and I really did that. And it started to resonate with people. And I think I wanted to really show that it's more than just the recipes of Italian food. It's an entire way of living. So if I can't do lifestyle as part of it, it doesn't really... We're not really showing the true sort of Italian romantic life. Our world in Italy revolves around, yes, food, but family and sharing it, all of that kind of stuff. So I thought that was really important for me to really express my family and my heritage and my culture. A lot of shows really went that direction after that, a heavily uh, lifestyle with uh, a little bit less um, food, which is why they started Cooking Channel, because they also wanted to hold on to that food. But um, I've really seen in a lot of competition shows. I mean, we didn't have any, really, when I started. So lots of competition, lots of travel shows, which have been fantastic. People have been able to virtually, you know, just by watching TV, learn about food in different cities and different countries. And I just think that's it's so wonderful. It's expanded. Food Network has done a wonderful job at expanding everybody's horizons and food and introducing them to cultures and ingredients and personalities. I feel like they've really been able to bring American food, American culture and abroad really into our living rooms. And nowadays you can find prosciutto at Walmart, which when I was growing up, you, people didn't even know, they didn't know what ricotta was. They barely knew what mozzarella was. So I think it's really, it's been a gift all around. And I think a lot more people are interested in food and cooking um, than they ever were before. And a lot of it is because of Food Network. Absolutely. I mean, and you talk about that lifestyle and bringing your family into it. We we essentially got to, to see your daughter, Jade, really grow up, you know, kind of right in front of the camera. Uh, she's a frequent guest on your shows, obviously social media, and also in the cookbook as well. 
Um, what's it like having these ep- episodes and books sort of almost like a, a time capsule of, of her childhood? Well, it's a gift, right? Because every parent would love to be able to see that. And in fact, from time to time on my phone, little clips and snippets of the beginning days of Jot at Home, which is the show I started doing after I gave birth to Jade. And she was a baby and on set and watching her grow and how much she loves the camera. Um, from day one, she loved being on camera and eating on camera and the whole nine yards. And I think that's probably the biggest gift that I've gotten from Food Network is to be able to have that and watch that happen and be able to revisit it. I think I posted a little while ago, maybe on her birthday, a video of her singing from like a show I did when she was three. And I mean, listen, I think that a lot of parents have the opportunity you know, to video these days, but not quite like that. So much footage from every six months, basically. And I think that that is something that has been really a wonderful, wonderful gift for me and for her. Do you uh, do you see her following in mom's footsteps? Not in mom's footsteps. I don't think she's interested in food. She was when she was younger, but she's not anymore. She loves to sing and dance. So she does theater. This year, she's done a lot of virtual stuff. But um, she just got a lead in um, this theater group in Los Angeles to do Legally Blonde. So she is just, you know, that is her thing. She loves it for now. We'll see what happens. But for right now, she has the singing and dancing bug, but definitely not the cooking bug. That's fair. That's fair. We'll we'll, we'll see where she ends up, uh, uh, maybe on, on screen, maybe on a stage. But as you kind of look back at all of your different um, roles and projects on Food Network over the years, do you any have like a special place in your heart? Is, it, is there a favorite in, in all of the shows that you've done? Well, I think Everyday Italian, because that was the launch. Um, and I remember the struggle of actually getting comfortable on camera. So Everyday Italian, probably because that was the beginning of it all. I think probably I love all the Italy shows. I mean, that is my favorite thing in the whole world is to get to go there, whether I'm cooking there or whether I'm traveling with Bobby. I think that's just a gift because I get to go back and explore my culture and my and, you know, my people and my food. And that just inspires me so much to do what I do. So I would say any of the Italy shows have been some of my favorite moments. I think that's a, I think that's a great answer too because I think you know you also bring everybody else along with you on those uh, on those trips on those you know rediscovering your culture and, and and the passion for you know your home country is is very very evident and very it basically leaps off the screen so uh, I would have to agree with you on there and unfortunately we are running a tad short on time so I do want to end with a, a few rapid fire questions and then we have one final questions to kind of top everything off so rapid fire you know just first thing that comes to your mind best pizza in Rome uh, Rosciolli and what do you get there pizza bianca with mortadella beautiful uh, worst thing you've ever cooked duck not my thing okay duck uh, favorite pasta shape mezzi rigatoni smaller rigatoni okay favorite restaurant in the United States Giorgio's in Los Angeles what do you get there uh, the corn ravioli, handmade corn ravioli in butter and sage. Ooh, delicious. Um, moment in your career that you are most proud of? Opening Jaw to Vegas in, on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, all right. Well, we have one final question that we ask all of our guests here on Food Network Obsessed. Um, and that would be, what would be on your menu for your perfect food day? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert, like your ultimate food day. We're not talking about, you know, reboots or, you know, you're, you're traveling or maybe you're cooking at home or whatever the case may be. There's basically no rules. <laughs> so uh, whatever you want, we want to hear it. 
Seven layer cake, seven layer cake, seven layer cake, seven layer cake, seven layer cake. It is my absolute favorite thing in the whole world, which is as much frosting as possible in between the layers of the actual cake. Jamie, if there's nothing, if I don't have to watch anything, that's the one thing I freaking crave. What do you think that is? It's sugar. So chocolate and sugar are the only things. And seven layer cake is the thing I love the most. All right. So you're you're having seven layer cake for breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert. That's all I want. OK. Any, any uh, espresso or wine mixed in or are we just going seven layer cake? Mm-mm. <laughs> Just that. That's all I want. Oh, that's fantastic. I think that's the, I think that's the, the quickest answer we've ever had on, on the final question. There's nothing else I want. There isn't. If I could have people have asked me, oh, well, you know, if it's your last meal, I'm like, that's all I want. If I'm stuck on a desert island, that's all I want. Everybody knows it. But it's the thing that I have to watch the most. I have to be careful. It's something I'm really, really in love with, madly in love with that I can't really indulge in very often because it just doesn't do well. It's dairy and sugar and wheat and everything else in it. All of the things. I mean, I think it's actually a it's a perfect final uh, answer because it, it brings this conversation full circle because we we started off talking about your cookbook and your sugar addiction and we ended by talking about your sugar addiction. So I think it's a perfect uh, way to put a bow on this wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Thanks, Jamie. What a fun conversation with Giada. And now I would like to be having an Aperol Spritz in Tuscany right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> For more of Giada, uh, be sure to check out Bobby and Giada in Italy. It is streaming now on Discovery Plus. And of course, pick up a copy of her brand new uh, New York Times bestselling cookbook, Eat Better, Feel Better, My Recipes for wellness and healing. It is available now. As always, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please rate and review. We do love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 